0: Section 10 of The History of Rome, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Moon Lilith. The History of Rome, Volume 1, by Livy. Translated by William Masfin Roberts. Book 2 chapters 16 to 21 chapter 16 war with the sabines emigration of the claudii the new consuls were marcus valerius and publius postumius this year a successful action was fought with the sabines the consuls celebrated a triumph then the sabines made preparations for war on a larger scale to oppose them, and also at the same time to guard against danger in the direction of Tesculum, from which place war, though not openly declared, was still apprehended. The consuls elected were Publius Valerius for the fourth time and Titus Lucretius for the second. A conflict which broke out amongst the Sabines between the Peace Party and the War Party brought an accession of strength to the Romans. Adius Clausus, who was afterwards known in Rome as Appius Claudius, was an advocate for peace. But, unable to maintain his ground against the opposing faction who were stirring up war, he fled to Rome with a large body of clients. They were admitted to the citizenship and received a grant of land lying beyond the Anio. They were called the Old Claudian Tribe, and their numbers were added to by fresh tribesmen from that district. After his election into the Senate, it was not long before Appius gained a prominent position in that body. The consuls marched into the Sabine territory, and by their devastation of the country and the defeats which they inflicted so weakened the enemy that no renewal of the war was to be feared for a long time. The Romans returned home in triumph. The following year, In the consulship of Agrippa Menonius and Publius Postumius, Publius Valerius died. He was universally admitted to be first in the conduct of war and the arts of peace. But though he enjoyed such an immense reputation, his private fortune was so scanty that it could not defray the expenses of his funeral. They were met by the state. The matrons mourned for him as a second Brutus. War with the Orancans In the same year, two Latin colonies, Pometia and Cora, revolted to the Orancans. War commenced, and after the defeat of an immense army which had sought to oppose the advance of the consuls into their territory, the whole war was centered round pomitia There was no respite from bloodshed after the battle any more than during the fighting. Many more were killed than were taken prisoner. The prisoners were everywhere butchered. Even the hostages, 300 of whom they had in their hands, fell a victim to the enemy's bloodthirsty rage. This year also there was a triumph in Rome. Chapter 17 The consuls who succeeded, Apiter Virginius, and Spurius Cassius, tried at first to take Pometia by storm. Then they had recourse to regular siege works. Actuated more by a spirit of mortal hatred than by any hope or chance of success, the Arancans made a sortie. The greater number were armed with blazing torches, and they carried flames and death everywhere. The Vinii were burnt, great numbers of the besiegers were killed and wounded, they nearly killed one of the consuls, the authorities do not give his name, after he had fallen from his horse, severely wounded. After this disaster, the Romans returned home, with a large number of wounded, amongst them the consul, whose condition was critical. After an interval, long enough for the recovery of the wounded and the filling up of the ranks, operations were resumed at Pomitia in stronger force and in a more angry temper. The Vinii were repaired, and other vast works were made good, and when everything was ready for the soldiers to mount the walls, the place surrendered. The arancans however, were treated with no less rigor after they had surrendered the city than if it had been taken by assault. The principal men were beheaded, the rest of the townfolk sold as slaves, the town was razed, the land put up for sale. The consuls celebrated a triumph more because of the terrible vengeance they had inflicted than on account of the importance of the war now terminated. Chapter 18 The Dictatorship The following year had as consuls Postumius Cominius and Titus Lartius. During this year, an incident occurred which, Though small in itself, threatened to lead to the renewal of a war more formidable than the Latin war which was dreaded. During the games at Rome, some courtesans were carried off by Sabine youths in sheer wantonness. A crowd gathered, and a quarrel arose, which became almost a pitched battle. The alarm was increased by the authentic report that at the instigation of Octavius Mamilius, the thirty Latin towns had formed the League. The apprehensions felt by the state at such a serious crisis led to suggestions being made for the first time for the appointment of a dictator. It is not, however, clearly ascertained in what year this office was created, or who the consuls were who had forfeited the confidence of the people owing to their being adherents of the Tarquins. For this, too, is part of the tradition or who was the first dictator. In the most ancient authorities, I find that it was Titus Lartius, and that Spurius Cassius was his master of the horse. Only men of consular rank were eligible under the law governing the appointment. This makes me more inclined to believe that Lartius, who was of consular rank, was set over the consuls to restrain and direct them, rather than Manlius Valerius, the son of Marcus and grandson of Volusus. Besides, if they wanted the dictator to be chosen from that family especially, they would have much sooner chosen the father, Marcus Valerius, a man of proved worth and also of consular rank. When, for the first time, a dictator was created in Rome, a great fear fell on the people, after they saw the axes born before him, and consequently, they were more careful to obey his orders. For there was not, as in the case of the consuls, each of whom possessed the same authority, any chance of securing the aid of one against the other. Nor was there any right of appeal, nor, in short, was there any safety anywhere except in punctilious obedience. The Sabines were even more alarmed at the appointment of a dictator than the Romans because they were convinced that it was in their account that he had been created. Accordingly, envoys were sent with proposals for peace. They begged the dictator and the Senate to pardon what was a youthful escapade, but were told in reply that young men could be pardoned, but not old men who were continually stirring up fresh wars. However, the negotiations continued, and peace would have been secured if the Sabines could have made up their minds to comply with the demand to make good the expenses of the war. War was proclaimed, and informal truce kept the year undisturbed. Chapter 19 The next consuls were Servius Suplicius and Manlius Tullius. Nothing worth recording took place the battle at Lake Regillus. The consuls of the following year were Titus Abatius and Gaius Vetusius. During their consulship, Fidene was besieged, Customeria captured. Porneste revolted from the Latins to Rome. The Latin War, which had been threatening for some years now, at last broke out. Aulus Postumius, the dictator, and Titus Abitius, master of the horse, advanced with a large force of infantry and cavalry to the Lake Regillus in the district of Tusculum, and came upon the main army of the enemy. On hearing that the Tarquins were in the army of the Latins, the passions of the Romans were so roused that they determined to engage at once. The battle that followed was more obstinately and desperately fought than any previous ones had been. For the commanders not only took their part in directing the action, they fought personally against each other, and hardly one of the leaders in either army, with the exception of the Roman dictator, left the field unwounded. Tarquinius Superbus, though now enfeebled by age, spurred his horse against Postumius, who in the front of the line, was addressing and forming his men he was struck in the side and carried off by a body of his followers into a place of safety similarly on the other wing abitius master of the horse directed his attack against octavius mamilius the tusculan leader saw him coming and rode at him full speed so terrific was the shock that Abitius's arm was pierced Mamilius was speared in the breast and led off by the Latins into their second line. Abrutius, unable to hold a weapon with his wounded arm, retired from the fighting. The Latin leader, in no way deterred by his wound, infused fresh energy into the combat. For, seeing that his own men were wavering, he called up the cohort of Roman exiles who were led by Lucius Tarquinius. The loss of country and fortune made them fight all the more desperately. For a short time they restored the battle, and the Romans who were opposed to them began to give ground. Chapter 20 Marcus Valerius, the brother of Publicola, catching sight of the fiery young Tarquin, conspicuous in the front line, dug spurs into his horse. And made for him with leveled lance, eager to enhance the pride of his house, that the family who boasted of having expelled the Tarquins might have the glory of killing them. Tarquin evaded his foe by retiring behind his men. Valerius, riding headlong into the ranks of the exiles, was run through by a spear from behind. This did not check the horse's speed, and the Romans sank. Dying to the ground, his arms falling upon him. When the dictator, Postumius, saw that one of his principal officers had fallen, and that the exiles were rushing on furiously in a compact mass, while his men were shaken and giving ground, he ordered his own cohort, a picked force who formed his bodyguard, to treat any of their own side whom they saw in flight as enemy. Threatened in front and rear, The Romans turned and faced the foe and closed their ranks. The dictator's cohort, fresh in mind and body, now came into action and attacked the exhausted exiles with great slaughter. Another single combat between the leaders took place. The Latin commander saw the cohort of exiles almost hemmed in by the Roman dictator and hurried to the front with some maniples of the reserves. Titus Herminius saw them coming and recognized Mamilius by his dress and arms. He attacked the enemy's commander much more fiercely than the master of the horse had previously done, so much so, in fact, that he killed him by a single spear thrust through his side. While despoiling the body, he himself was struck by a javelin, and after being carried back to the camp, expired whilst his wound was being dressed. Then the dictator hurried up to the cavalry and appealed to them to relieve the infantry who were worn out with the struggle by dismounting and fighting on foot. They obeyed, leaped from their horses, and protecting themselves with their targs, fought in front of the standards. The infantry recovered their courage at once when they saw the flower of the nobility fighting on equal terms and sharing the same dangers with themselves. At last, the Latins were forced back, wavered, and finally broke their ranks. The cavalry had their horses brought up that they might commence the pursuit. The infantry followed. It is said that the dictator, omitting nothing that could secure divine or human aid, vowed, during the battle, a temple to Castor, and promised rewards to those who should be the first and second to enter the enemy's camp. Such was the ardor which the Romans displayed, that in the same charge which routed the enemy, they carried their camp. Thus was the battle fought at Lake Regilius. The dictator and the master of the horse returned in triumph to the city. Chapter 21 Death of Tarquin For the next three years, there was neither settled peace nor open war. The consuls were Quintus Clolius and Titus Barcius. They were succeeded by Aulus Sempronius and Marcus Miniucius. During their consulship, a temple was dedicated to Saturn and the festival of the Saturnalia instituted. The next consuls were Aelius. Postumius and Titus Virginius. I find in some authors this year given as the date of the battle at Lake Regillus, and that Aulus Postumius laid down his consulship because the fidelity of his colleague was suspected, on which a dictator was appointed. So many errors as to dates occur owing to the order in which the consuls succeeded being variously given that the remoteness and time of both the events and the authorities make it impossible to determine either which consuls succeeded which, or in what year any particular event occurred. Appius Claudius and Publius Servilius were the next consuls. This year is memorable for the news of Tarquin's death. His death took place at Cuma. Whither he had retired to seek the protection Of the tyrant Aristodemus, after the power of the Latins was broken. The news was received with delight by both senate and plebs, but the elation of the patricians was carried to excess. Up to that time, they had treated the commons with the utmost deference. Now their leaders began to practice injustice upon them. The same year, a fresh batch of colonists was sent to complete the number at Signia, a colony founded by King Tarquin. The number of tribes at Rome was increased to 21. The Temple of Mercury was dedicated on May 15th. End of Section 10